The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, everybody. Well, this is uh, Julian, your interim pastor here at Fellowship, sitting here with Daniel, your student pastor. We've got another episode of this podcast, and what a great Sunday. I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. I always love those long weekends. What about you? Oh, yeah. Monday was nice, too. We got to hang out by the pool, and uh, we ate a pig that we killed on Saturday night, which was was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we we had a, a good Sunday. Not as much attendance as we would like still, but I think once childcare rolls back around and the dust settles on some of this stuff, we'll be getting back up there. Yeah, yeah, and childcare is coming back this Sunday. Yeah, We're back in the swing of, of things, other than growth groups, which we'll be bringing back in a few weeks. Uh, but Sunday, yeah, we'll have childcare back, and so bring the kids, and we're gonna be checking temperatures and all that stuff to make sure they're safe. But uh, we're we're gonna be excited for them to have their own kind of space and be able to. Um, you know, learn on their own level. That'd be cool. Yeah, I've enjoyed having the kids in there, but uh, you're right. They do need to learn on their own level, and some of them look a little bored sometimes. And so <laughs> <laughs> it'd be good to get them back into Tammy's department. Um, boy, I think this whole act series has just been very eye opening uh, to see how the first church uh, witnessed and how they discipled and how they grew their churches and uh, some of the things that they encountered. Uh, it's interesting because it doesn't it doesn't look a whole lot different sometimes, right, than what we see today. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a pretty basic model that, that Jesus gave us and that he led the early church to do. And so um, I think that it's the way that things should be today. And yeah. hopefully the more and more we you know dive into the book of Acts and study it, hopefully the more that God will move in our hearts and make us look like that. Yeah, I, I think coming up through like Bible college and stuff like that, like, there was always this idea that it was so difficult to cross the bridge between cultures and whatnot. But when you scale all that back, right, the model is there. It's uh, what they did is what we should do. And even though that looks a little different, uh, we still have the basic skeleton of how to go out and do what Jesus told us to do. Not difficult at all. Absolutely. All right. So uh, saying that, we're going to jump right in. Uh, You were in Acts chapter 8, and uh, we had read that Philip had gone to Samaria and he Mm -hmm. was witnessing and preaching the gospel. And at one point it says uh, many in Samaria had believed and were even baptized. And then this guy, Simon, also who was a magician, believed and was baptized. And and then, you know, the rest of the kind of the narrative follows out after that. But my first question to you is, um, you know, obviously these people were not really saved. Right. We saw Peter and John go back and they had not received the Holy Spirit. And we firmly believe we received the Holy Spirit at salvation, upon right. conversion. And so it was not a true conversion a conversion until they got there. So is that possible today? Do we see that in a lot of these churches that have big, huge followings and mega churches? You know, could it be that these people are not understanding completely and a lot of them not actually be saved? Yeah, I... Uh I see this all the time, um, you know, with students where, you know, they're younger and um, they, they hear the gospel and for whatever reason they don't understand it. But but because, you know, they feel like their parents want them to or they feel like they're supposed to because everybody else is doing it, they go ahead and, 
you know, make this decision, this public decision, even though internally they haven't made the decision. And then they get baptized and everybody thinks that they're good to go until they get to be, you know, 17, 18 years old and realize that they didn't, they never knew Christ in, in reality. And so in that moment they surrender. Uh, but I think too, there's a lot of churches out there today that are just teaching moral standards mm. in um, you know, like how to love your wife better and how to raise your kids and how to manage your finances, which none of those things are bad. Right. And a lot of those things are biblical, but if that's your sole focus, then all you're doing is creating a bunch of people who are morally upright people, but still lost mm. in their sin because they haven't surrendered their life to Jesus. That's, the, that's gotta be the key. And you have to understand that in, you know, not just this emotional experience if you're at an event and you're like, man, I feel like God's speaking to me and so I'm going to make this emotional decision. It has to be something that you really choose to do. You surrender yourself to the Lord and uh, give yourself over to him fully. And so I do think, I think, like you, like you were talking about, there's pastors all over um, that are starting these churches and their goal is, I think, I, I don't know, that I don't, I don't want to judge their their you know their reasoning and, and their intentions, their intentions. Sure. um but i feel like their goal is more growing a big church than it is really mm. you know really reaching people because i mean you see it by how the, how they talk and, and their programming and the things they do mm-hmm. they're trying to grow a church and, and i get that's a good i mean that's a good go for i mean grow grow a church that's something to you know shoot for but at the end of the day we're not called to do that right we're called to build a kingdom and uh in people's lives you know they're they're misunderstanding the gospel because we're presenting it in a way that is not the true gospel we're presenting it in a way of just you know follow these standards and god mm-hmm. will love you and, and i don't think people even necessarily realize that they're doing this just they're they're communicating that by what they're saying yeah you know the their, the way that they preach, the things that they preach, and their focus on all these cultural things when in reality people just need Jesus. Like yeah. you said, it's it's not overly complicated. Right. Just just preach Jesus and all the other stuff will work itself out. Yeah, I think too, uh, you know, and you're right, you don't want to misjudge the intentions of some pastors, but you watch a lot of it today and it's like, you know, you're going to receive your victory today and God's going to help you to defeat this mountain. And, you mm. know, it's all about you. And then and then they motivate these people to say, man, I'm going to live a better life here on earth. Mm. Right. And and I think that really hinders the Holy Spirit because it's not about us on this life. Right. This life is nothing. It's about the next life. And and to me, it's more like. When we start preaching a gospel, which isn't the gospel at all, but a gospel of, you know, God wants you to win. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to have victories. Mm. You know, we start to really blur the lines because people start saying like, well, I'm not winning at my marriage. Mm -hmm. I'm not winning in this relationship. I'm going to, you know, even though I'm I'm disobeying God and breaking his law, I'm going to go and do this other thing Mm -hmm. because that's me winning. This girl makes me feel happy. Mm. Right. This situation makes me feel happy. I'm going to ditch by responsibilities. And that's not what surrender is. Right. right. Surrender is I'm going to I'm going to leave it all. I'm going to leave all the worldly desires and do whatever Jesus says to do. Yeah. I don't think people realize sometimes that that's what they're signing up for to them. Yeah. It's, it's faulty 
understanding. So there's faulty expectations. Like you said, you come to it and you're like, well, you know, I, I came to God because th- that preacher said he was going to fix my marriage mm-hmm. and my marriage is still a mess. And so for, forget this, I'm done with God. You know, people walk away from the faith because they never really understood the faith to begin with. Right. They never understood that it's, it's, you surrender regardless of the circumstances and trust that ultimately God will will be glorified regardless of whether you enjoy the experience or not. Yeah. The goal is not that you are comfortable. The goal is that God is glorified. Yeah. I always thought like this whole motivational inspiration type preaching that don't work in, no. you know, Saudi Arabia where, no. they're, where they're getting killed no, for man. being saved. That don't work there. In China where they're hiding out. You know, and that and so, yeah, I, you know, I think when the foundation of the faith is motivated by you and your happiness, it's it's shifting sand. Mm, it's not yeah. going to last. But when the foundation is Jesus and his Holy Spirit and surrender, then that's going to last. And I don't know why this group in Samaria ha- didn't get that from Philip. Yeah. But obviously they didn't have it. Right. Uh, and then and then you go on to Simon, this magician guy. And he is like... Um, He's he sees what's happening and he he starts to believe that he can manipulate this situation for his gain. Mm. And so that's my next question to you. Uh, Why do you think people, uh, preachers, leaders, why do you think they choose to manipulate the gospel? Right. Because we see it all the time. And maybe you don't know exactly what their motivation is, but. Don't we see that? Like there, there's this manipulation for yeah. self-gain. And what do you think that comes from? Yes. Yeah, so I started watching. So I prepared for the sermon during the week. And then Saturday, a friend of mine posted this documentary called The American Gospel. And so I shared, I watched it and I shared it on Facebook. If you want to go check it out, you can go to my Facebook page and it's it's on there. It's called The American Gospel. It's on Netflix. Um, but it really... Um, impressed a lot on my heart about where we're at as a society in America mm. in America and how you know evangelicalism merges with this American dream kind of thing yeah and uh, and, and so it I'm, I, a lot of stuff in my sermon Sunday was from that video like the train illustration and a few other things I mean directly from the video right um, and so I mean it really um, kind of like showed me this this world that I didn't even really realize existed mm. um but you know you see in that video a lot of these false teachers who are doing that they are they're manipulating the gospel for their own gain mm. and uh in 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 the video there's this there's this young kid who who sees this um pastor um this guy named todd white some of you may know who todd white is he's a uh, word of faith guy and he is uh he goes around doing healing and stuff like that and so this young kid is following Todd White, and he's he's um, really like amazed at what Todd White is doing. And you can tell from the way he's talking that there's sincerity in in wanting to honor God. Sure. Right. So he he starts off, man. I want to serve God. I want to I want to love people, and the way that I can do that is being like Todd White and healing people. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to like malls and starts talking to people, and he just says, "Hey, can I pray for you? Can I can I you know pray for healing for you?" And he he starts doing this. And then he's convicted of it and realizes that what he's doing is not biblical. Sure. And uh, and so it, it got my wheels turned in to think, do people set out to <clears throat> manipulate the gospel? Mm. Or do they set out like this kid with an honest desire to love God, 
but just a distorted view of what the gospel is. And then slowly they start realizing, man, I'm getting a little bit of fame from this. I'm getting a little bit of prosperity from this. People are, you know, really acknowledging me. They think that I'm awesome. And, And then it becomes your kingdom over God's kingdom. Right. And, and, and there's, I, I wonder when does that transition take place? Hmm. You know, cause I watched some early videos of Todd White even in, he has the worst theology <laughs> out there, but at least early on, I feel like he's sincere. Yeah. And, and then now I watch him and I feel like he's just playing a game. Like he, he doesn't feel sincere when I listen to him preach now. And, uh, and so I don't know if people set out to do that. I, I do believe some people do. They set out, they realize, hey, this is a, a way that I can make some money. This is a way that I can, you know, uh, gain uh, social wealth with people. People mm-hmm. are going to f- love me and follow me. Um, but also think that some people come in at, at, you know, with a sincere heart, but then they get a taste of, you know, what people think about them. Even Francis Chan, I was listening to a thing from him the other day mm-hmm. and, and how he has constantly had to wage war against his pride because, mm. you know, everybody, he sees his picture on a poster, he hears his name, yeah. you know, talked about on radio, and, and and he's at these big conferences where thousands of people come to hear him preach, and he's like, I can feel in my heart that I enjoy that. I love, I, I, mm. I, I enjoy people liking me, and, and then I mourn that because it's not about me. Yeah, And so I think... Why do people manipulate the gospel? I think it's for their own glory. Mm. People, people, we are, like I said at the beginning, we're innately bad people. We're not good. Right. And, and we're going to pursue our own kingdom unless we keep that in check. Yeah. Right. And so um, I think for these people, they're pursuing their own kingdom. Just like the televangelists on TV. Hey, send mm. send me $1,000 and God will bless you. And, and if you send me $1,000, uh, God's going to bless you. You know, sevenfold or whatever. Sure, I heard yeah. one one of them say, you know, it's, it's, if you let go of your, you let your hand go of your money, God's gonna let His hand go of His money. <laughs> that's horrible. And, and I'm like, no, that's not uh, any kind of biblical promise. What are you no. talking about? Yeah. And so, um, to me, I think that's what it is. I think it's a it's a pride thing. I think it's a I want to build my own kingdom thing. And I, like I said, I don't know when that transition takes place. Right. If the majority of people set out that way, you know, like, I don't know if Joel Osteen sought out to say, you know what, I'm going to manipulate people <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to build this huge mega church so that I can be rich yeah. and write books. Or if it just kind of slowly transitioned that way to where he started making money saying stuff that wasn't the gospel and mm-hmm. he realized this sells and I like people liking me and so I'm going to do this. That's an interesting take because we just had the conversation the other day, you and I, in staff meeting, right, about not allowing the mission to become your idol. Yeah. Right. Like we're here all about making disciples and we're, you yeah. know, want to honor God. And, and we can't allow that either yeah. to become an idol and not honor God with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a buddy one time and he was talking about church plants and how uh, some of them boom, right? They, they grow really fast right. and they're preaching the gospel and everything. He said, and then you buy this building and then you have two or three people on staff. He goes, and then slowly but surely, you need the money and the offerings to be able to keep that up. Mm. He goes, and then what he has witnessed is the the preaching starts to become a little softer, a little easier on the ears because they want to motivate people to not stop giving Mm. and to buy into what they're doing. And then before you know it, 10 years down the road, they're just like any other church. And yeah, maybe they're big, but the gospel, the the message isn't really convicting. You know, there's, there's no real reach. There's no real 
push to go or challenge to fix your life, but it's more about come here on Sundays, make sure you give, and then we're going to, you know, pretty much tickle your ears with something good to hear. Mm. And, and, and he said, like, people set out to do the right thing and they start preaching the right way. But then because of the financial burden that comes with, you know, building a church, that becomes not their motivation in a way to get rich, but to be able to like, we need to bring in this much money right. to survive. Right. And we've experienced that. Yeah. Uh, especially in this time of transition, right. Where, yeah. where beforehand, you know, we, we really weren't involved in the finances type mm-hmm. stuff and now it's in our face. And so, and then a pandemic and, right. and I, although I, 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 I pray that'll never, you know, right. I pray that'll never be my heart or your heart. Right. But I can see it, you know. Yeah. I can very much see the worries and the, you know, the stress of thinking like, man, if we don't bring in enough money, we're going to have to shut this place down. And that motivating you to change the message. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You got to pay, you know, you feel like you got to pay bills. You feel like people's livelihoods are in your yeah. in, in your hands. And um, I do get it. There's a burden there uh, and a fear uh, mm-hmm. that that you know you may and there's a fear that as you build something that you may lose it yeah and and for whatever reason you start to get this distorted view that you built it yeah you didn't build nothing yeah god built that and if you continue to glorify him then he'll continue to build it right it's not up to you uh to to make that happen and i don't know again i don't know when that transition takes place to where you start thinking that i did this or if i don't you know, shift my focus, then I'll start to lose it. I don't know when that happens. And like, like you said, I hope that never happens to me. And and I think the key to that is, you know, putting people around you that'll Mm -hmm. say, what are you doing, man? People that you love and trust that are, that'll be honest with you Mm -hmm. and say, what are you doing? Yeah. And and also like always understanding that it's not ours, right? Just like you said, Mm -hmm. we didn't build it. It's not ours. It's God's. Right. And as long as you continue to do what the Bible says, it's all about like putting that worry and fear behind you, right? And saying like, okay, I'm I'm not gonna wear that, right. because Jesus has called me to put my burdens on Him, mm-hmm. and it's His church, and whatever we do is to glorify Him, and have that right mindset and perspective. I think is what helps. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that uh, parable where the guy, um, the master gives out money, the talents, know, the yeah. talents, and then they, one one of the guys goes and buries it, and then it's kind of that same idea, like. I start to fear that mm. I'm going to lose this. And so I'm going to bury it and not really do anything with it and just yeah. let it sit and, and instead of, you know, reckless abandonment, man, to drive it like you stole it. Like <laughs> yeah. this is what God's called you to do and, yeah. and trust that he's going to work the rest of it out. So yeah. that that's a good uh, exp- expression. Drive it like you stole it. Right. Yeah. Like not that we're careless, but, but you know what? This is an art. Yeah. And when we have the opportunity to do something with it, and, and, and we're not liable for the outcome. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're going to go plant seeds and God is the one liable for the outcome. Right. Whether they grow, whether they don't, we're just going to keep going, planting those seeds. And that kind of, you know, pushes us into the question three of. So you have Simon here and he really is not believing. And you have all these people who were baptized and they didn't truly believe. Uh, and then some of them did, right? We, we read that some of them did come and realize and receive the Holy Spirit, but not Simon, right? He obviously didn't have it. And so we see both sides of the spectrum there, mm. that the people did believe, Simon didn't. And so my question would be, 
you know, how do we as ministers, how do we combat this idea that um, people need to genuinely be saved? Because that's a very difficult thing, right? You have people who grow up in church, like you said, and whose parents were in church, and they just think that they're saved. And I have conversations in my office all the time of people being like, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And how do we repair that as ministers, right? How do we go and combat that and 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 genuinely tell people like, man, you need to check your heart. Well, how do we do that as ministers? Yeah, I think uh, one is that you never stop preaching Christ crucified. I mean, you just constantly preach the gospel, the, the real gospel, never waver from that regardless of whether it's popular or unpopular. Um you know, in season, out of season, like Paul says, you preach, sure. you preach the gospel. And, um, and so I think that's the number one thing is because, I mean, we, as long as we have influence, we preach the gospel and point people the right direction. Yeah. Um, and then two, um, I think we're starting to kind of go into this, this culture and I th- we're already here. I don't think we're coming into, I think we're already here into a culture that doesn't like the truth. Mm. And, um, and when you speak the truth, you're, you're being told that you don't love them, right? right? Um, and so knowing that real love is speaking truth and, and not in a judgmental way, sure. Which I think judgmental says, You're, I, I'm judging your intentions. I think it's okay to judge actions, oh, it's right. not okay yeah. to judge intentions. And so, as we look at people's actions and in, in their believers, it's totally okay to look at that and say, Look, I don't know, like, we need to have a conversation. Yeah. I don't know that that there's fruit in your life. I'm not seeing it. And you're pro- proclaiming with your mouth that you know Jesus. But, mm. you know, like I said Sunday, the Holy Spirit is not just inferential. It's experiential. And if there's no fruit in the person's life, then they don't know Jesus. Right. And and as pastors, I think that we are called to shepherd people mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and help people understand that we're not seeing fruit. Right. So being honest with people... Um, Proverbs 28, 23 says, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. So, wow. you know, again, our job isn't to flatter people and say, you know, you know, you said that prayer when you're a kid, you're, you're good. Mm. When Paul says to, you know, wrestle with that, like, yeah. like struggle and, and, and evaluate constantly evaluating, do I know Jesus? Is there fruit in my life? Mm. Not that we live in fear. Sure. But that we are certain that the Holy Spirit is evident in our life and, and there's fruit of that um, and so I think preaching the gospel is the biggest part of it but I think also the people that God has entrusted to us to be shepherds to that we don't avoid the confrontation of hey I don't know that you know Jesus mm. yeah Paul said work out your salvation with fear and trembling right right and and that's coming from the Apostle Paul who had established these churches and who, you know, had shown them the true gospel. Yeah. And so as he's writing these churches back, he don't know them all. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know all the new believers. Right. And so he's he is uh, encouraging pastors to say, hey, you need to make sure that these people know without a shadow of a doubt mm. what the decision was that they made. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, I've always said. You know, I don't want to stand before Jesus one day as a minister of the gospel and have him say, like, you know, you you did it wrong. Yeah. You know, my biggest fear and you said this Sunday and I and I totally uh, 
I, I get what you're saying because my biggest fear is that I would preach the word of God and somebody wouldn't understand mm. it fully. Yeah. To be able to know that, you know, with faith without works is dead and that there's this surrender and this heart change and it's like and it's a total radical new life. Mm. Right? And 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 so I think we combat that with constantly blaring that out. Mm-hmm. Right? That 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 we need to understand who God is in our lives and be sold out for him and do what he's called us to do. Right. Because if we're not doing that, we're living for ourselves. 100%. And that's not salvation. Right. And so I also, you know, and we've said this before, like we encourage people, like don't be embarrassed. Don't have the pride to mm-hmm. come down and say, I don't know, you know, because why would you risk that? Yeah. You know, why would you risk an eternity away from God? Uh, to be able to to just you know swallow to just have pride and say you know I I'm, I'm not gonna ask that question because right. I don't know, right? Yeah, I think um, you know I think that there's a lot of people who will who will hear the gospel and for whatever reason not understand it and and they can still attend church their whole life they can yeah. still you know, serve within the church because, you know, you, you don't necessarily, you don't know right. until the only, only that person in God can really know where they're at. So we as leaders, we can see fruit sometimes, but you can be manipulated just like Philip was. Like yeah. when I first read that, I was like, man, Philip, drop the ball. What'd you do, man? <laughs> what you, doing, you, you had a whole group of people. You dropped the ball. Yeah. But we as, we as pastors can't always see if we can't see a person's heart. Right. And you can fake fruit sometimes. Oh yeah, right. And so, um, you know, only only the person and and God really know that person's heart and where they're at. And, and so, you know, look at your heart. Look at you know wh- what fruit is in your life. Because I think we we a lot of times talk about the fruit of the spirit, and that is absolutely part of it. But there's also like physical fruit in your life too. Like whose life has been changed because of your influence in it. Sure, yeah, that's yeah. fruit too. Um, and so I think that, you know, like you said, constantly wrestling with, do I know Jesus? Do I know Jesus? And not again, not out of a sense of fear, like I'm going to lose my salvation. We don't believe that. We don't believe that you can lose your salvation, but we do believe that you can come to Jesus with a faulty understanding of the gospel and never truly receive him because it's all over scripture. Yeah. And it doesn't come from a place of insecurity, right? Like, uh, and and I guess you know to clarify that you know you you have some people who wrestle with that and they don't know, and so yeah you need to make sure you know that that's something that you've done yeah. like for instance and I'm not trying to boast but we know without a shadow of a doubt where we stand right and people need to get to that moment right because there are some people out there who have these doubts who have these questions who maybe don't have fruit in their lives and think, well, I don't know. Well, you need to get make sure you have that shored up yeah. because there's no insecurity when it comes to faith, right? Right. that you know who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life. And I think it has been the fault of pastors in the past who misrepresent what fruit is, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, you hand out coffee at church in the morning, you serve on the welcome team, you— you go watch babies in the nursery and whatever that's that's total fruit and mm. people can come and be religious and do that every week right and yet their lives never be changed by mm-hmm. Jesus Christ and they and and never tell a soul about the gospel and that is the fruit that matters right right 
because it's a byproduct. If somebody is genuinely changed and they're out there doing all the other stuff, they're going to do the inside stuff too. They're going to want to serve the body. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to make difference. And yet there are, there are, so there's two classes. There's a religious class who will come every Sunday and every time the doors are open and do whatever you ask them to do, but yet their lives never reflect it. And then there's the others where their lives totally reflect it and they're going to be serving as well. And so I think that's the difficult part, right? We've told people, as long as you come to church for so long that they're doing what we told them to do. And now, you know, they're, they're spiritually dead and they don't even know it. Yeah. That, and I think too, we, we have heard a lot, you know, you know, you come, you're coming to Jesus, he's going to save you, but you're still, you know, say people still sin, which is true. Say people still do still sin. But I think some people take that as a, well, like, oh, okay, well, an then out. I can, it's an out. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. Even though I'm living in sin, I'm still saved. Well, the difference is, is the Holy Spirit is in you, then he will convict you of that sin. And right. you won't, you won't want to sin. Yeah. You may, you're going to still do it. You're still going to fail because you, you have the flesh. But the difference is you don't, you're not comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. Saved people aren't comfortable in sin. Right. And that is the, the identifying mark for me. Like mm-hmm. if you can live in sin and be comfortable with it, Sure. Then I don't think you know Jesus. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't allow us to be comfortable with sin. Now, if you can, if you're going to sin and you, you know, you mess up or, 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 you know, do whatever, and then you realize, man, I, I messed up and you don't, and you hate that part about yourself. Or if you even have a consistent sin that you struggle with and every time you fall into it, you're like, I did it again. What is wrong with me? Wow. And you mourn that. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. Sure. And, yeah. and we'll grow in sanctification to, yeah. to hate it more and do it less yes. as we get along in life. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I, like I said, I've been loving the book of Acts. We're in chapter 8. We're going to be in chapter 8 this Sunday. And uh, just the kind of uh, eye-opening um, view of how we can be as a church as well. Because I firmly believe that. I think we take this model and we run with it. God will bless. And yeah. and that's because that's what he's established, right? Yeah. We leave all the churchy stuff aside. That stuff will take care of itself. And we focus on what's really important. Then God will, God will definitely, we'll see the increase for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. And uh, we hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.